What is up, my friends? Welcome to Fatherhood Field Notes podcast, where I interview incredible fathers, gaining wisdom from their stories for you and I to grow in our craft. I'm your guide, Ned Shout, father to five kiddos, currently ages 10 to 17, and husband to my rad wife, Sarah, working on our 20th year of marriage. So yep, I'm in the thick of it, and I am working daily to rebel against the low expectations for fathers and create a world where fathers know who they are as they show up for their families. You and I have the greatest opportunity to impact our world through the way we embrace our fatherhood role. This episode is brought to you by The Adventure of Fatherhood, helping men discover their powerful fatherhood role and build their fatherhood skills. The role of the father is to serve, guide, provide, protect, and of course, find joy and have fun in the messiness of it all. Today's guest is my friend, Joshua Weir, and we talk about fatherhood being the highest call on your life, having a vision for your family, and how to love going home. Enjoy meeting my friend, Joshua. Joshua Weir, welcome to the podcast. How are you today, my friend? Excellent, thank you so much, man. Dude, it's so good to see your face. You were just at my house maybe a few weeks ago. I got to meet your son. We had a great time just talking life. Now here we are a couple weeks later on a video call talking fatherhood once again. I love it, I'm so excited. Yeah, it's pretty cool. So check this out. You and I met this year. So just for the listeners to hear, you and I met this year. We were going to this men's event that kind of this like eclectic group from all over the place was invited to. Some of us were in a chat and we're all meeting in Colorado. And so we're like, who's landing at the same time at the airport? I had rented a car. You and two other gentlemen just happened to all land at the same time. And so we had this two-hour drive, I think, from the airport to Breckenridge. And the moment that you shared something with us, I knew I got to have this guy on my podcast. You have a buttload of kids, which we'll talk about, but we're having this like deep connection together. You got to imagine guys were driving through just like beautiful country, all love God, love being husbands and fathers. And we're talking about this. And so then Joshua pulls out his camera or phone. He had just recently had a kid. And right after having the child, you filmed yourself talking about pretty much in tears, talking about being a father and family and what it meant. And you sent this just to your family and you shared it with us. And it was just so rad to so quickly come to this moment of connection with you. So maybe tell us a little bit about that video and about that moment that you filmed yourself talking about fatherhood and sent that to your family. Yeah, love to. So first of all, I so appreciate you, Ned. Honestly, that was very vulnerable. I didn't know any of you guys, right? Three dudes all in a Jeep, or, and I'm sharing a video where I'm crying, basically. So it was great, though. You guys were very open and welcomed that. So I just had my seventh child, and I was in the hospital, obviously, wife, baby, and me. I was literally overwhelmed by the beauty of having children. It was just, mm. this is the seventh, so it's not brand new to me, but and I wanted my sons and my daughters who are older, I have older children, tend to, to really be connected to there is nothing more beautiful hmm. than bringing children into this world and loving them. And I was hearing, and I was like, I got to give my kids this now while I'm feeling it. And they all watched it and loved it. And it's, I just want them to get it. Yeah. So tell me about their reception of that. You have a 20 year old who's off like starting their own thing. How was that for them that you're having another child? And then do they feel a part of it? It's part of the question. Uh, I would say, I'll give you the quick. I got a 20 year old, 18 year old, 12 year old, 10 year old, three year old, two year old, and a six month old. So that's my stretch. Yes. (laughs) (laughs) 
and the hope is to have more. But anyways, my 20-year-old and my 18-year-old are just geeked out. I mean, they love the little babies, and they both want to have lots and lots of kids. And so anytime I do this, and this is the first time I've ever done a video, obviously, from the hospital to them, but my older ones, and even my 10 and 12-year-old, they watched it the moment I sent it. And all of them just, they bought in. They bought into like family is it. I was on a date with my 12-year-old, this is probably two months ago, and she's a super gifted designer, interior designer. So I was laying something out for her. I was trying to give her a scenario. I said, her name's Tinsley. Tinsley, what if you were like one of the best designers in the world and you had multiple millions of dollars, you fill in the blank, in the bank, but your relationship with your kids was average at best and your relationship with your husband was just okay. How does that sound to you? And she literally mm. said, that sucks. And it was, I was so loved because she gets it. She's, I could have everything, yeah. but if I don't have a great relationship with my husband and my kids, I've got nothing. So why? Like, why is family it? Obviously, that question does paint a picture, right? Where your kid goes, all of us would go, yeah, that, that does make sense, right? If I could be the world's best X, Y, or Z compared to having a great relationship with my wife and our kids, I start to understand that. But why have so many kids? Why say you want to have more? It's somewhat countercultural. I have guys on the podcast that have a lot of kids just because they whatever happens. But why? Why? I think people wonder that. So curious for you, what's your reasoning? So I guess there's, I think, probably multiple levels. I'll go with the heartfelt right out of the gates is because of my own experience. I run a successful development construction company. I've had some pretty big wins there. I've done some other things. I've been a part of different ministries, had some great losses and some wins. But the truth of the matter is literally nothing even holds a candle to the beauty, what I feel, what I feel in here, in my soul, when I'm connected to my sons and my daughters, when my family's around the table, when we're on some kind of adventure together, like there's nothing that even comes close. Any of my previous successes don't even hold a candle to it. So to me, it's a felt reality. Like I know this is true. So I don't know if that's answering kind of the question, but let me let me dig into this and I'm skipping around some of my initial questions. So I'll come back to them. But I understand and I know this is true. But why do you feel that some men don't experience that? To what level are they maybe so focused on their career, so focused on like the outside circumstances of life that they're not fully being present to that connection to the family? What's the holdup? for more men not to feel this or know this? Okay. So I would say two things come to mind right away. First of all, culture slash church, whatever you want to say, doesn't elevate the okay. call. So if you're a church mm. guy or if you're just a whatever guy in culture, neither are elevating father or husband or mother or uh, wife. They just don't elevate it as a primary call. They elevate being a baller in this, being this, they elevate everything else. Being a, If you're in church, being a missionary, yeah. if you're in the world, being some kind of baller in some arena, but nobody's saying, listen, there's no higher call. So that's number one. Two, mm. at least dudes, and this was my story, it's so hard, if we're being honest, to really be connected to our kids, like heartfelt connected and to our spouse. We're just, it's very difficult to be present it's a lot easier to be engaged in kind of the drive, the grind. You can just throw yourself into that. Whereas kind of playing with your two-year-old yeah. or hanging with a 12-year-old is way harder. I don't think many people are elevating that call. So the hard work to be present 
is really not happening because it's hard freaking work. Yeah. Okay. So what is that work? So how, if someone's listening to this, dude, Josh, I hear you. I want it. And uh, dudes need like manuals, right? Like, just tell me how to do it. So what would you say is some of the tools to become present with your family? So two quick stories. So in my construction company, I've got, there's probably 25 guys that are on my team that are out in the field, like superintendents, project managers. So I just started doing this thing on Thursdays where they come in for a 10 minute, 10 minutes of, it's called strong men, how to be a strong father, husband, all that. And the response has been pretty cool. Meaning I've had 12 guys show up the last two weeks. It's two weeks old, whatever. But I got this text. Check this text out. I'm going to read it to you. So one of the guys that's part of my company said, hey, man, can you record these little 10-minute teachings and send it to me? Because I got a couple buddies who'd like to hear it. I said, sure. So he sent me this text yesterday, and this is the text. I like what he's saying, being me. The point he made about dedicating time to your wife and children for eye contact Mm. is something Mm. I've never heard. It's something I've never even thought about or checked myself on when communicating with my wife all day. And I'm thinking to myself, wait a second, this is like basic 101 in my mind. Hey, eye contact, look at your wife, look at your son, look at your daughter. And he's saying, I've never literally heard about it or even thought about it when I'm with my wife all day long. So part of it is no one's been given the vision, right? Mm. So people have been given the vision of, hey, look for small opportunities to connect with your wife and connect with your husband. So that's one. The second thing that comes to mind, oh, go ahead. Who told you to have eye contact with your wife? That's a great question. I, I Honestly, I don't know. But do you think somebody did tell you that? Definitely, 100%. Yeah, so I want to hear the second thing, but I think what I'm wanting to point out is you are teaching other men something yep. that a man taught you, Bingo. right? And so men... Even though we don't feel like we have it all together, we will never feel that way. Teach what you do know to someone yeah. else. And when you're teaching these men, you're not teaching from this, I have a figured out place. You're taking it from, I have stuff to learn, but I have stuff to teach. But it also calls you to a higher standard, right? Because when you know that now 12 to 25 men are watching you because you're putting yourself out there as let me teach you about eye contact with your wife, then now you are going to live it to a higher standard, right? Hundred percent, yes, and that's what's bizarre. Okay, is the fact again back to this text from this dude. It's like the fact that he's never even thought about it. It's honestly hard for me to wrap my head around. But I think that's very normal. That's not unusual. So is the second thing. So second thing is I think just the wounding that we have as men, Mm. which is you name it, wounding from when we were little, when we were middle school, whatever, from our fathers, from whoever. And it causes us not to be very present. We're just disconnected and all that. So I remember so vividly, I was at a restaurant, I was with my wife and I was just weeping, literally, like embarrassingly in this public restaurant because I had just been at Banana Republic with my wife and we weren't with our kids, but I was watching this dad and he was so present to his kids while his wife was trying some on. Hmm. And I was watching him. I just felt hmm. I will never be like that. I want, I so want to be like that, but I will never be like that dad. And I literally just broke at dinner and crying. And so now that was 15 years ago. I am, I'm not that dad anymore. I am present. Like I'm able to be present with my children. So I guess I I think there needs to be an awareness like what's keeping people. I think even knowing, dude, I am not present. I can't connect with my wife in a way that she needs me to, or my kids. 
So awareness, number one, two is practice. And then just, I want to get your opinion on this because this has been more coming to the light for me that practice isn't transformation, but it leads to transformation. One day you're going to start noticing that you are just more present because you've been practicing being. Yes. Yeah. I wish there was a one time boom event that you could do to take from being disconnected to present, but I've never heard of it. I've never experienced it. And I just had this incredible dude on the podcast, Dan Takini, talking about um, marriage. And he was saying marriage is a crucible. It's an opportunity to grow up. And if you think about fathering and being a husband, it isn't supposed to be this one-off thing. It's supposed to be this lifetime journey of 50, 60 years. Because I think the reason why we want the quick fix is like, Let me just figure out the quick fix so I can just be present with my family so I can get back to the things I want to do during my time. Do you know what I mean? Versus, wait a second, I need to wrestle through this. And then I love this, the vision. Nobody's given them the freedom really to have a vision for what it means to be a father, to be a husband. If you're hearing it all the time, this is really hot. This is a high call. This is awesome. This is beautiful. Then you begin to say, maybe there is something to this. But if nobody is giving you any kind of idea that there's something great about being a father, there's something so satisfying about being a father, well, who's talking about that? If so, nobody's talking about it, then yeah. what I think is satisfying is having a million dollars in the bank. So that's what I'm going to drive towards. Right. And yeah, of course, I need to be a good daddy. Yeah, I need to be a good husband. But what's really satisfying is having a million bucks in the bank. So that's what I'm going to drive towards. But if we have people like you, which, which you are, and I love this about you, Ned, is elevating the call to be a dad, to be a husband. It's like beautiful. That's why we were in the Jeep. I was like, oh my gosh, because I don't hang out with people like you, Ned. Like I, Hmm. I hang out with a lot of dudes and it is, I don't know, one in 500, probably more than that, that really are set up like you are like, man, let's grow as fathers. Let's grow as husbands. Like nobody's talking about it. Yeah, man, that's the point of what we're doing. And I think that this just brings up like we're, I don't know about you, but come December, January, I like to reflect on the past year and think about the new year, have vision around business and life and fitness goals and whatnot. And I just love this verse, Proverbs 29, 18, where there is no vision, the people perish. And like you said, when the world isn't casting a vision for family, Church isn't necessarily casting this distinct vision for family. The people perish. Look around. Look around. We're desperate for leadership. We're desperate for connection. We're desperate for belonging. Things that all happen in the home to start. We talk about toxic masculinity or whatever BS people are talking about, but who's responsible to cast the vision for your home? Yeah, that's right. That's right. You are. 100%. Fathers, quick interruption here. Do you struggle with the sense that you are not stepping into the fullness of your role as a father? Do you regularly wrestle with feeling inadequate as a father? I would love to connect and encourage you over a one-on-one Zoom call. You can grab a time with me at www.rebelandcreate.com forward slash connect. Take a few minutes to talk life, fatherhood, and I will share several resources that will support you on your adventure of fatherhood. Now back to the conversation. What does your family look like in five years, 10 years, 15 years, 20 years? That weight is on you, my friend. So cast some vision and start moving towards it. No one's going to do it for you. That's right. And honestly, this is the thing that I'm, again, I'm two weeks in with these guys in my company. 
I'm just like, these guys were leaning in. It's 10 minutes. It was super, super easy, right? But it was like pen drop. My content was fine. It wasn't anything dramatic. It was super basic stuff like atomic habits, 1% change, all that. But it was like, these guys are so hungry. Man, there's so many hungry men, but nobody's feeding them any kind of diet that has anything to do with, dude, here's how you can be a better husband. So I'm beating the horse here, but I believe guys are ready, man. They're ready. And one other thing, because I want to make sure I don't forget to say this, and it goes back to original question. He said, what are some practical ways to be this better father and husband? And I don't know. We didn't talk, Ned. I don't know your audience as far as some of them, I think, will have faith. Some of them won't. Yes. What I'll say here is about Jesus. But what's cool is I've actually shared this with people who have no faith, and it works for them. So here's what it's called, welcoming prayer. And all it is, it's acknowledging your state. So if your state is, dude, I am so disconnected from my three-year-old. I want to blow my brains out when he wants to play Legos again. Or whatever. Like, we're being all- <laughs> yeah, all yeah. yeah. We've all been there. We've all been right? there. <laughs> but we don't want to be. So the question is, what do we do? Sometimes yeah. it's just, just keep playing Legos. And that's good. But what if there is a path? And we talk about Jesus, those of us who know or love Jesus. But how practical is this thing? It's called welcoming prayer. And here's what you do. You have something going on. You don't like what's going on in the inside of your soul with your son, with your daughter, your wife. And it's real simple. Jesus, I welcome you into this place in my soul. I'm asking you to touch it. The language doesn't matter, but you're simply inviting Jesus into that place. Now, and here's what's crazy, Ned. I've literally shared this with an atheist guy. He was a buddy of mine who had no faith. And then a super agnostic lady who was a massage therapist for me. Both of them, I just said, listen, you don't need to care about Jesus or love Jesus, but do this prayer. And one of them did it with her husband because she was having major issues with her husband. Mm. And the other did it with his girlfriend. Mm. And they both came to me and said, Joshua, this works. And I've been doing it. I started this wow. about 10 years, maybe 12 years ago. There's only two things that I say. One is be a guy that reads the word. I know that's old fashioned, but be a scripture guy. Even if you're not a Christian, who cares? Read mm-hmm. the scripture, beautiful book. The second thing is this welcoming prayer. Jesus, I feel like strangling my wife. I know that's not good. And I invite you into that place. And I just watched <laughs> slowly heal my soul. Like I'm just a present yeah. dad. I love going home, getting with my kids. I used to not. I used to not mm. be connected. Yes. I would do it. That's what good dads do. You go home. Hey, son. Hey, daughter. Hey, wife. Now my heart is able to be engaged because, again, obviously there's lots of things we have to do, but the welcoming prayer, Jesus, I invite you into this pain. I invite you into this anger. I invite you into this shame. I invite you into this lust. I invite you into this disconnect. So I wanted to make sure I said that because that's just, oh my gosh, so huge. Yeah. What I hear in that is I hear a vulnerability with yourself, right? You're acknowledging, you're bringing something to the light, right? Like I want to strangle my wife or I'm feeling lust, right? So you're not letting something fester inside you. You're personally bringing it to light. And then two, to some degree, you're acknowledging whether you believe in God or not. You're acknowledging that to some level, you're not the king of the universe. Like this isn't just about you. You're humbling yourself to the possibility that life is bigger than Ned or bigger than Josh. And that I think is just such a a way to become present in the here and now. Like I'm not in the future. I'm not in the past, but I'm right here right now. And my mentor, I meet with every two weeks, which I highly encourage, have somebody that you meet with so that you can get all your junk out is everything you need 
God will provide you in this moment right here, right now. Not what he could have did yesterday or not what you hope for him to do tomorrow, but what everything you need right now in this exact moment is available to you. Yes. I love it. It's I love so it. Hard, oh. It's so hard to believe that and so hard to practice that. And I, again, back to Christianity, church stuff. I was actually a pastor for a long time. I'm not anti-church. I'm not anti-Christianity. I love Jesus. Man, I'll tell you, there's such a disconnect, I think, specifically for men in the church to have practical access to what does it look like to be strong, loving, tender, all that. Yes, but to be strong and to be present. There's like, man, we're not giving tools. So this welcoming prayer thing, again, I'm Mm going to bring it up again. It's just such a simple, basic. I practice it multiple times a week, every week, and I have for at least 10 years, if not more. Because it just works. It just works. Yeah. Like so. Dig it. Yeah. And I'll just say, I wrote my original book on fatherhood because I was sitting in church one day and I was looking around at the dudes who were sitting there. And other than the like the 1% who are just like jacked to get there at an hour before to set up chairs and pass the tithe things around, which is cool. Great. I'm like, why are these dudes here? What about this other than them, their wife dragging them here or they feel like they should be here for their kids? Like, I'm waking up because I'm psyched to go. And I was just feeling like, that wasn't there for them. And so that's what led me to write the book and which is really about that what we want most deeply like to be respected, valued, needed, loved and leave a mark on this world comes from embracing fatherhood. And in fatherhood, I mean, marriage and kids and the whole family situation, which is exactly what you're talking about. Elevate the highest call. The highest call is this. Like when you're laying on your deathbed, we all know it to be true. Like, what will matter most, dude, that I'm holding the hand of this bride that I've had for 60 years, that I'm seeing kids and grandkids and maybe great grandkids, but are our actions today a reflection of that guy? Like, in most instances, it doesn't connect. So there's this deep longing for that, but the actions today don't line up with us moving towards being that man. So that vision needs to come alive. All right, bro, I love this stuff, and I'm sure we'll come back to this. Here we go. Question for you. How old do you find yourself today? 49. 49 years old. How many years have you been married? Six. Six years married and seven kids. So it's my second marriage, which I think is another thing I I would love to just throw out there. Yeah, let's hear it. So I was married 10 years to my first wife, had our first two boys. We got divorced in 2012. We got split in 12, divorced in 14, got remarried in 2018. So my current wife has two children from her previous marriage. So she has two, I have two, then we've had three together. So we are what's called a blended family, which is super, super hard. We read a lot of books on it because we heard a lot of people talk about it. But I just know there's a lot of dudes that have been divorced and are going to be remarried or potentially be, be remarried. And I just want to say you can have a blended family that works. And I don't know of many, because there's not a whole lot of people, but. So I was sitting down with you to go, man, I'm about to get remarried and I got kids. She's got kids and we want to have some of our own. What's the one thing you'd say, lean into this, Ned, and be aware of this. What would be just those two nuggets you would give me? First is know that it's going to be really hard. You got to just like know that out of the gates to take siblings that aren't blood and actually act like you are, because that's what it is. It's a total act in the beginning. You have to know there's going to be all kinds of dynamics. And so that's number one. 
is know that it's going to be really hard and say, I'm still signing. Like you're in love with your fiance or it's going to all work out. No, it's not. It's going to suck. It's going to be so hard. Your kids aren't going to mm, like each other. I like that. Her kids aren't really going to like you as much as you may think they do. And your kids aren't going to like her as much as you think they will. Because guess what? That's not their mom or you're not their dad, right? It's all of that stuff. So you've got to go in eyes super wide open. So it's number one. And then two, yep. if you are not already game on intentional man, like you are intentional. What I mean by intentional is you get home from work. Hey, we're going to sit down. We're going to have dinner together. Hey, this weekend, we're going to go do an event together. Hey, we're going to go on vacation together. Hey, we're going to have an open meeting and talk about what's going on. Hey, boy, my boys, her girls. Hey, boys, how are you feeling about Ruthie? Honest. You can sit. sit. They thought she was, they didn't like her. They didn't like her, but they had yeah. to have a free. You have to be so intentional. But if you keep at it and keep at it and keep at it, obviously no guarantees, but man, you can blend. Like they don't feel like separate siblings anymore. They're not stepbrothers and sisters. They are, they love, they literally love each other. They adore each other. So in the moments where you allowed your boys, because this is you and your perspective, in the moments you allowed your boys to say, I don't like X, Y, or Z about her. How'd you respond to them? Well, one is I just acknowledged she is not your mom. This is super weird and you should never have been put in this situation. So I just acknowledged uh, the reality. Like you're being put in a situation. It. Yeah. Oldest Jonathan and Caleb. Jonathan and Caleb, this is wrong. This is so weird and backwards and because it is. This is super twisted that you have to live with a different woman as my wife and as your stepmom. So I just gave him like total freedom to like let it rip. And then I just let it be. I didn't try. I would give them perspective. Hey, I'll give you a, a real example. They said, man, Ruthie's, she's stuck up. We had to carry her bags all around New York. She didn't ask. She was very uncomfortable with them doing that. But I made them do it because I was trying mm. to teach them to be gentlemen. But they, anyways, they thought she wanted them to do it. So it was great. They got to be honest. Man, she's stuck up, man. She's not even willing to carry her own bags. So I think just giving total freedom. To share, honestly. Okay, so how in giving them freedom to speak freely to you to say, Dad, she stuck up, in the same light, did you have them respect her? Sounds like they had freedom to speak to you. How did you call them into interacting with her? I just said, because they loved me, they loved me back then. I said, guys, I'm not expecting you to love her because you love her, but you guys love me and I love her. So I'm asking you as an act of love hmm. to, to your dad to show her respect and not love her. You can't make yourself love her, but just respect her, honor her because wow. when you don't, it hurts me. And so I was appealing to their connection to me to Got honor it. her versus, hey, you should honor her because she's honorable, which is true, but, and it worked. <laughs> it wasn't easy, yeah. but it worked. They were very respectful and honored her and yeah. Uh, beautiful, man. All right, where do you guys live as a family? We are in Columbus, Ohio. Columbus, Ohio. And then you share you're in the construction business. You've been in that yep. most of your life. And then are any of your kids, you know, looking to move into working on that with you? Uh, yeah, I've had this company for 20 years. And so my older ones have all worked with me. But my oldest is he really likes flipping cars and working on cars. So he's going to start a dealership. And then my 18 year old, okay. he's just doesn't care right now. He's going off to YWAM. Actually, he's gonna be visiting you in Kona here in April. So and then Jonathan is just leaving Kona. So he's just leaving Kona tomorrow. So love it, man. Now, when did you embrace fatherhood? So I know we talked about this a little bit. You said that 
there's this moment 15 years ago where you felt like, ah, I'm not as present or I can't be this present. Was that when you embraced the importance of fatherhood or was there some other season of life where you said fatherhood is the highest call? I honestly haven't thought about when I, I really transitioned to, wow, this is the highest call. Honestly, I think I've only put language to it within the last couple of years of it being the highest call. 15 mm. years ago when I'm crying, I was aware of the inner desire to be connected to my children and the disconnect that I had. So I was super aware then, but I don't think I had this language because again, I was so steeped in culture and church at that time that I just kept elevating a million dollars in the bank and being some kind of cool influence or missionary, right? So I think that's evolved yeah. just within the last couple of years. And I don't know why. I'm not sure why. But actually, you know what? I think I do know why. Because I've had three kids in the last three years. So I've got my older kids, my middle stepkids. Now I've got three brand new kids, three, two, and five. And I think I've just been reacquainted or I'm being reintroduced to the beauty of fatherhood and being a husband in a healthy marriage. And it's just helped me see, dude, there's nothing better than yeah. Yeah. Let me ask this because, okay, so 49 years old and you've had the success of business, right? Not only are you making cool stuff and there's like a financial reward to that, but then there's also you've had the experience of there were probably moments as a pastor where you're getting off stage and, oh my gosh, Josh, you're so great, whatever. So you've had the church and the world's definition of success. Yes. But let me ask this though, in the failure, did you also find massive success in those things too? Was there massive yes. success? Yes. That's, I guess the point is, and everyone talks about this as like cliche, like, oh, fail forward, all that stuff. But there really is something yeah, to yeah. when you fail, but you stay in it. So to obviously my marriage ended, I couldn't stay in that. But when you right. fail, but you in the heat and the pain and working through it, man, it gives you a perspective that is totally different. So getting someone to say, dude, your message was awesome. Or man, that restaurant you just built is beautiful. Or those things are, again, it's like comparing something that is from a different universe that's so glorious yeah. to some blade of grass, like the children yeah. and the marriage, the perspective of failing and now being in something that's so full and rich, like my family times, my meals around the table, we're going, we're getting ready to go away for two weeks on Sunday just to be together as a fan, like those kind of things. I'm just like, nothing touches it, but I can feel it. And I can taste it because hmm. I've experienced failings and I've experienced sweet things that have, I think you're right. Those have allowed me to see what I'm seeing now with much more clarity than I ever would have without the fails. So let me ask this question. When you say I can feel it and I can taste it, I think sometimes maybe especially as like a young dad, we have this ideal of like, oh man, Josh is sitting around this table and his kids grab their food and they're sitting there all looking at the head of the table, just so excited for their dad to sit down and pray and hold hands. And they're going to go on this vacation and every day everyone wakes up, dad, where are we going? What are we doing? Dad, you're the best. You plan the best trip ever. Yeah. You're okay. already laughing. So yeah. the, the feel and the taste, it's, it's not the same as a beautifully constructed new restaurant. It's not the same as this perfectly constructed message I gave on Advent season on a Christmas Eve. It's like super freaking messy. 
right? So how is the fullness and the fulfillment of being a husband and a father in a home fulfilling in the messiness? Like, talk to me about that. I love it. Beautiful. So I love this whole idea of learning to um, live in the mundane. And and not Mm. just live. We all live in the mundane because you can't get away from it. But actually embracing and enjoying the mundane. Since Mm. I have three and under... There'll be many nights that I'm up multiple times because Ruthie's got the infant, but I got the other two. So I could be waking up because the infant's crying, then waking up because my two-year-old is crying, and then waking up. This has happened multiple times. So I'm up five times in the middle of the night, and I got to be at work in the morning. So that's mess. But there's something, again, I think this, let it burn and face it. It Mm. sucks. But then, well, hold on. Is there a place where I can enjoy and embrace the table? And it's crazy. The table's crazy because my two-year-old's jumping up and she falls down, cracks her head. Like <laughs> yeah. what happened last night. Or like it's not all peace and just harmony. But is there a yeah. place? Yeah. Maturity. Has someone given me, again, back to vision, has someone given me a vision that I may not be there, but I could be mature enough to wake up three or four or five times in the middle of the night and actually embrace and say, I'm all in. That's a vision that I yeah, may not yeah, be yeah. there gives me the vision that I'm at least shooting for. It's like going to the gym and I'm fat and out of shape. But man, I know I've seen my buddy get freaking ripped. I'm going to keep at it and I'm eventually going to get ripped. It's that. It's Wait a second, Joshua. You mean you actually enjoy the dinner table? Yeah, I love it. And it's crazy and it's messy and I love it. But I've learned, I've grown, I've matured Mm. into that place. So vacation, we're going to leave on Sunday. We're going to drive. We drive 12 hours. We'll split it up, six and six. It's going to be crazy at different points in the car. One of them is going to be screaming. But I literally, it's some of my favorite time. But why? Because I, I found that is where the life is. Like, it's in that stuff. It's not just about getting to the destination. Like this totally, again, I'm overplaying the analogy, but it's the trip. Like, literally, the van. We yeah. pile in a van. It's, it's just, that's what it's about. So... Well, I mean, as you're saying it, yes, we hear it's about the journey, not the destination. But so many of us are living for the destination. We're not living for the moment. And if we can, dads, when shit and hell are breaking loose, to just pause and go, I'm alive right now. Like, I'm alive. Let's be here right now. And I love the Adam Sandler movie Click where he has like a remote and he fast forwards through like everything so he can just get to the most important things. I think it's such a great story of like not fast forwarding through your life. My friends, sorry for this quick interruption. However, somewhat sadly, I get more questions from dudes about fitness than I do about fatherhood. But what I found is that the fathers who start taking care of their fitness and nutrition end up finding fatherhood, marriage, work, and all other aspects of life come into a deeper clarity of purpose, enjoyment, and fulfillment. Now, I've partnered with Rise Up Kings to launch Ruck Fitness, a transformative program that is less focused on a six-pack in 90 days and more focused on you creating the habits, mindset, and lifestyle that will allow you to be a healthy asset to your family for decades. Come join me in a transformative journey to become the man you want to see in the mirror. Go check it out www.rebellandcreate.com forward slash fitness. Now back to the show. But just dads, if we could pause at the dinner table or in the car when the kid pukes or 
whatever happens and just go, I'm alive. This is it. Enjoy this. This is joy. Joy and happiness are different. Happiness is like this. I opened a gift and I'm excited for 30 seconds. Joy is I'm up it for the third time in the middle of the night and I'm looking to my child's eyes and I'm like, this matters. Yes. And I want to say this too, Ned, I think that's so key what you're saying. And if you can't get there, you're just pissed. Like you're up in the middle of the night, you're just pissed Mm -hmm, or you're, mm -hmm. if you can't get to that place of being present, again, just simply acknowledging that you aren't and that you want to be and being humble enough to say it even to your kids and to your wife, hey, I'm super disconnected right now. I'm telling you, there's, you said the word, there's something about just like walking into the place of being vulnerable. Okay. I want to be present wife. I'm struggling, dude. That is, Mm. there's something that the power of the spirit or whatever you want to call it, it, the frequency that the power flows on is humility, transparency, and vulnerability. That's the frequency. And if you're just vulnerable Mm. on it, in the moment, like I am so pissed that I'm up a third time in the middle of the night or whatever, but you can just say, oh, I don't want to be, I want to be present. I think it's a short road to starting to taste of being present. Dude, so good. So, so good. When you think about the role of the father, what would you describe the role of the father as? Again, I'm going to keep using the same word. I think the father has to be able to not be a visionary at all. You have to have this big, grand story that you are always sharing, but where you yourself are captured enough by the beauty of family that they Mm. believe you when you say, Hey, this is guys, this is what it's about. If you don't believe it yourself, it just doesn't transmit. But if you are captured, which again, you got to do your own hard work on your own soul. But I think one of the primary roles of the father is to capture your wife and your children in the story of we're a family. So my last name is Weir. Yeah. This is Weir family. This is so beautiful. This is, how do we want, what do we want the Weir family to be like? If I'm believing that, just like my company, if I'm like, hey guys, like what's, my company's name is Transform. Hey, like what is Transform about? Like they're going to be like, they're not going to be into it. But if I'm fired up because I believe in my company, they're going to be fired up. So I think, man, the, the father has to be casting vision, excited about the family himself. And people will follow that. You could lead poorly in the wrong things, but if you're, doing it with passion and your heart and you're open and you're honest, man, your family's going to be awesome. So good. And I, I want to bring this up because it's a conversation you've, you and I have had a couple times because at that event, we were together for four days or something like that. And sitting around a campfire, I think the conversation came up and then maybe on a phone call, the conversation came up. But around this idea of looking beyond the four walls of our home right now and thinking about like legacy property or property for grandkids and kids to come back to. Talk to me a little bit about this vision you have for your family in that area, and then maybe share how you've communicated that with your family. Yeah. So if I would have thought of it, I would have brought the drawing. I have a little drawing. Literally, I'm not an artist at all, but it's a little drawing of a house and like seven houses around that house. We've got like a, a common playground, a common pool, a common barn with animals, a common, all this kind of stuff. And I've just been pitching it to the family for a few years and they're all into it. Now we don't have it. We just live in a normal suburb, but the vision would be, hey, if we love being together, which we do, let's be intentional about building housing around each other. And whether that's, I think you can accomplish it in so many ways. I think you can accomplish it in a neighborhood, a suburb. I think you can accomplish it by buying a piece of land. This is so normative in so many other cultures. You go to the yeah. East and this is more like, I've got some clients that are Indian and they have weddings 
The weddings, the small Indian wedding is like 400 people because why? They all live in villages and all these villages, all the families live. This is like normal in like the world. Right. But in the West, like, oh, man, that's weird. Like, you're going to build a compound. No, it's not weird. It's super cool. If you have a healthy family, we've set up a totally different model, which is, hey, I'm going to launch you, son, like a thousand miles away. I'm going to launch you, daughter. Now, if they're called, then great. Go to wherever. Yeah. But why do we just launch them in the middle of nowhere to be with nobody they know, to raise a family with nobody to support them? Like, I have seven kids because I have lots of help. My mom and my dad are there every day, like literally every day. So it's easy. Easy is the wrong word, but it's way easier than someone who doesn't. <laughs> right. But it's because yep, totally. I live in proximity. So, but if you don't live in proximity, you don't have the benefit of wisdom. I love input from my mom. I love input from my dad. I love input from older generations. Like we should be all having that. So anyways, yeah. Yeah. So I've had a couple guys on the podcast who have done this. And then I've started the conversation with my family. Some, my youngest is 10, my oldest is 17. And it's funny because I would say that our family's pretty independent. Like we're each independent. Like I was just gone for three days and I didn't really text or talk to anybody too much while I was gone. But then when I came home last night, we all just laid on the couch together for about an hour. Kids came and laid in my bed for another half hour. And there's just like this deep connection, but then we're going to all go do our own thing for the next couple of days. So I just share that to go. It's something I love is our independence. So anyways, back to, I've pitched this to my kids and some of them, they're like, I don't know, maybe, yeah, we'd like to live close, but I don't know. I just share that to go. These conversations of doing life together, I think are important to start talking about with your family. But I also love how you said, hey, if you're called to go do this thing, or you feel this deep passion to go to this or that place, like I love you and I support you. But the idea is we want to be connected. Yes, 100%. And the reality is people want to be connected. I mean, even dysfunctional family, it depends on how crazily dysfunctional it is. But even dysfunctional families, there's something about blood, man. It's like, it's so real. Yeah, there's a if, loyalty there. Yeah. yeah. It's a measure of health. You don't have to have a perfect family. A measure of health. Man, being a, closer together around each other is better than not. I, I, the, the, the statistics yeah. bear that out. Too. I mean, you look at studies on family and health and longevity, and it's just, it's all over the place. Yeah. And we're starting to talk about it more as a family, just this awareness of, hey, you're always going to have a connection to your siblings that you're never going to have with someone else. And so think about as you're planning your life and open to where you might go is if you can be friends with somebody and be walking across the street to your neighbor's house for your kids to play, you could do that with some random person, or you could try to do that with your sister or brother. And how much deeper is that connection if it's your sister or your brother? Versus you just showed up to some random town and random neighbors and, and did life with them. That's right. And I don't know, do your kids have cousins they hang with? They love their cousins, but we moved from California to Hawaii due to my son's right. health. So now, no. yeah, we're in that situation where they're only going to see them twice, three times a year. But yeah, just even that point, there's something about even cousins. I watch my kids and how they interact with their cousins. They're not like all the same. Mm-hmm. They're very different. There's something when they, they get together with their cousins, it's like, it's magic, man. Different There's some magic. Yeah. So. so I think starting to have those conversations now, because if we don't start to have those conversations about this is how the Shout family, you know, thinks about family beyond just the 18 years you're going to live here, the world is saying, go to college, go find a house wherever, go find a job wherever. 
immediate family is all that matters, just husband, wife, and kids. It doesn't matter if you're connected to grandma and grandpa. It doesn't matter if you're connected to aunts and uncles. There's just not this vision casted around that. Like you said, the church or the world aren't painting that picture. Right. With this in mind, I want to ask you this question because this isn't too far on the horizon for you. So interesting because you've got a 20-year-old and you've got a baby. <laughs> That's right. But what type of grandfather do you want to be? It's starting to be a reality that could be in the next five years or so. So when you think about that, what does that look like for you? Well, it's funny. I'll, I'll give you a theory that I have because my short answer is I don't think it's going to look any different. I think I'm going to love my grandkids like I love my kids. But hmm. And lots of grandparents will tell me I'm wrong because they'll say, you don't know, it's different. Again, this is just Joshua's theory. I think so often being a grandparent is quote unquote so I've heard it. I've heard so many grandpas talk, grandpas in particular, grandmas too. But man, there's something different about my connection with my grandkids than my own kids. This is my interpretation of that. You didn't do the work on your own soul early enough to be able to connect to your own son or your own daughter hmm. in the way that you can more naturally connect with your grandchild. That's just, again, Joshua's yep. philosophy. I think when we really do the work, then we can connect deeply with our children. And of course, we're going to connect super deeply with our grandchildren. So that's just, again, I think we have so many regrets as fathers, but we age sometimes brings wisdom. And when we're 55 or whenever, 65, we start having our first grandkids. We're like, you know what? The million dollars in the bank, either I have it or it's just not that big of a deal or the accolades or the prestige, all that doesn't matter. So they've caught up to the reality that, dude, this is what it's about. And they get to start over again. So, yeah, I think you're right. I just, as you were saying that, I was like presence, right? So I think maybe a lot of grandparents, they never figured out because they were busy with work and just trying to pay bills and whatnot. So they never were present with their kids where all of a sudden now all that stuff that was so important when they were 35 to 45 doesn't matter anymore. And so now they're able yep. to be present. And so that's where they're able to have that deeper connection because they're there mentally. Right. I'm starting to bring this up because reality though is from 25 to 40, I may have to work a lot more than hopefully 55 to 70. It's just the truth. Yeah. And so I want men to start thinking about not retirement as I can't wait till I can do my own thing. But when I can have even more time to be a father and a grandfather, my influence level, if I allow it to be true, if I've earned that, would be so significant as a grandfather. Yes, 100%. And I want to start thinking about that. Okay, you may have already answered this question through some of the things you said, but I'm going to ask it anyways. This podcast is called Fatherhood Field Notes. You've been opening up your life, your field notes, your journals to us. The mantra behind it is rebel and create. And the idea is as men, like we want to be warriors. We want to fight against something. So what is something that you are rebelling against as a man? And what do you hope to create out of that rebellion? Now that could be I'm rebelling against you sitting around the TV and watching dinner so that we can have dinner on the table, or I'm rebelling against what the church says family should be because X, Y, or Z. So when you hear those words, rebel and create, what's something you feel like you are rebelling against and what do you hope to create out of it? Uh, so several things come to mind. One would be, there's two things you'll hear, man, toddlers, it's just tough, terrible twos, terrible threes, whatever. Mm. And teenagers are tough, right? Dude, teenage girl. I got a 12-year-old, 10, who's going on 13, and I've got an 18-year-old and a 20-year-old. I heard it 50 times or more. Dude, yeah. when I hit teen years, might be good now. Or I hear it, my oh, man, you're the terrible twos. What I rebel against is, A, that your teenage years have to be disconnected. 
Mine weren't. Even in the middle of when we went through a divorce and stuff, like I'm not advocating that. That's terrible. But your teenage years with your girls, and I'm not quite there, I'm 12, but and your boys can be beautiful. You, you got to do, you got to mm-hmm. adjust as a father, but it can be beautiful. And then toddlers, man, we bought into the BS of the culture of talk your kids. Like we bought into a narrative that is really probably 50 years old and it's BS. And so we have chaos because our kids just, there's no order, there's no discipline. So I, I rebel against those. And also back at the Breckenridge thing, I went back to this Breckenridge event because there was a couples event. And there are these several of these moms who are quote unquote ballers, and they are. They got this real estate agent, she's doing great. This other one starts with school. But I just felt this kind of prompting to just encourage both of them as moms because they're also moms. And so I just said, listen, I just want to tell you both, I don't remember their names right now. I just want to tell you both, like, I did this whole thing. You know, your highest call is to be a mom. I just kind of spoke to that for probably, Mm. Mm. I don't know, 90 seconds. And they both were just like, Thank you. And they're both very successful, but they were like, nobody has done that to me. Nobody has said, wow, what you're doing as a mom is awesome. So I just, I rebel the crap out of, I am so anti, man, you need to go make a mark on the world. You need to go do this and and leave your kids and your wife or your husband behind. Man, that's, I think it's actually wicked. I think it's evil. And so I am so anti that message. I, I was just doing it on Monday night. I hadn't seen them in a year. And I just sat across the dinner table. We were all, they have three kids. We had all of ours. This was chaotic. But I just took a second. I said, listen, guys, I just want to encourage you. You guys are studs. Like you, you as a husband, you as a mother. And she, he texted me the next day. Dude, I can't tell you how much that encouraged me. Like mm. just no one does that. No one says, man, you're doing a great job as a dad, which sounds yeah. so, what do you mean? No one's encouraging you as a dad. Like I know. he's a Christian. He goes to church. He's got Christian brothers. He's nobody's doing it. So two things I want to point out, and then I'll ask my final question, is this C.S. Lewis quote, I just try to bring it up anytime I can when this comes up, but C.S. Lewis says, the homemaker has the ultimate career. All other careers exist for one purpose only, and that is to support the ultimate career. So good. (laughs) I love it. So good. Yeah. So my question to you, though, is how do you teach that to your daughters Without coming across as this like patriarchal, I have seven kids, my wife stays at home and wears a dress and cooks and cleans. So how do you communicate that to your kids without it seeming like this 200 year old women submit and men are a-holes? Not that that's probably the reality, but my, what are your no, thoughts around that? Because I feel like it's my daughters perk up, dude. When I bring these kinds of conversations up, they're like, we don't need a man. And I don't necessarily fully agree with that. Like I want them to be able to be independent, but I also want them to understand this yin yang. I need my wife, bro. Like I need her not to do my cooking and cleaning, but I need this relationship. So anyways, any thoughts around how you communicate these ideas to your daughters without coming across as like, Absolutely. It's such a critical question, especially in where, where things are at culturally right now. So my 12-year-old, she's got an Etsy. She just started, this is, I don't know, a month ago. She's got her own little Etsy store. She is super gifted when it comes to design, deck, and creating things. And I'm blessing the crap out. I'm spending money for her to create this little business. Love so it. so I am blessing that hard. She is super smart in school. I love that. And I'm allowing her, I don't have to honestly convince her she really is like on board, but she's mm-hmm. on board with this idea of, I want to use my gifts, be a designer, but to whatever degree it calls, asks me to sacrifice my children, 
or my husband, or if it's my son, if I have to sacrifice, actually sacrifice my children or my wife in order to get this or get, that's what I'm giving them vision for. No, it's not worth it. And that's what they're buying in. It's not a, Hey, you have to be at the house woman thing. It's lead your family in such a way where it's so beautiful, where it's, they see it as the highest thing. They're not like, it's not a book. They're actually experiencing, dude, this is beautiful. And then they see it. Wait a second. If I'm working, my husband's working, the kids are at childcare. We're not going to have what dad and mom had. So they start putting two and two together. It's not rocket science. So yeah, dude. So I think you just unlocked it for me because I've been like, man, how do I communicate this narrative to my daughters? Not how do I communicate this narrative to my children? So I think I've still been on this mindset to some level, like my son needs to go build an incredible business or incredible job. That's his first call. That's to me how this, what you just said helps me go, wait a second. It's my son and my daughters. Don't put something else above family. Don't put something else above marriage. That whatever job you may or may not do, whether my daughters work or my son works or whatever they pursue, just don't pursue that career above this. So it goes for both sides. And that I think is the new story to make sure that we're communicating to our children, not kid, son, you need to get a great job to provide and wife, you need to stay home. No, wrong narrative. That's again, again, about like what you don't do, which I think is the problem with religion. But what is it that we do do? And that's That's focus on the family. All right, dude, I want to honor your time. So I'm gonna ask you my last question. So imagine 30 years from now, 30 years from now, you are you're coming towards possibly the last season of your life. As you look at your family, as you look into the homes of your children, what is it that you see playing out that puts a big smile on your face, knowing that you gave it your all with your time on this earth? So this is going to be very obvious, but first it's not 30 years from now, it's 70, because I'm planning on living to be 120. So just, I want to get the years right. There. Oh, love it, dude. Years. 120. Okay. Let's fast forward it. Okay. 70 years from now. But again, literally all it is, if my son is a, I'm trying to fill in the blank with some job that our culture says isn't cool. Like he's a janitor, literally he's a janitor, but he's free. He does it with joy, but he's around the table with his kids and they love Mm. him. He loves his wife. He has enough money in the bank, but barely he's got an average car, an average house. His, but man, his wife loves him. He loves her. His kids adore him. He adores them. That to me, and, and all my kids, so seven. So each of them, and they all want to have lots of kids. So if that's what I see, them loving and serving and caring and being humble with their kids and their spouses, that's it. Lights out, man. Family. I'm like, that's it. Yep. Love it. Josh, thank you so much for the time today. Thank you for sharing your life with us. Thank you for the way that you show up for your wife, your kids, for the community, being open, transparent, vulnerable, and honest as you're growing, allowing people to grow with you. Keep doing what you're doing. I'm grateful to be connected to you, and I look forward to staying connected and to future conversations with you. Love and appreciate you so much, Ned. This has been great. All right, bro. Until next time. All right. See you. What an incredible conversation. I so loved connecting with Josh. Obviously, we've had a few connections outside. And so there's this deeper understanding of our views and beliefs and philosophies and love for fatherhood, love for marriage, love for family. So many nuggets. And one of the things that he said that really stuck out to me was just that fatherhood is the highest call above all else. Fatherhood 
marriage and family matters. And at the end there, what really unlocked for me is how to share this narrative of family being most important, that it's not just about having your daughters know that, but exactly what this whole podcast exists for. And I think that there's still this subliminal belief that I have, or this unconscious belief that I have, that my role selling insurance and bringing home money is more important at times than me being a husband and me being a father. And so the narrative that needs to shift is that what I do outside the home really doesn't define Ned. It's not what I do, it's who I am. It's my being. And I could literally do anything. Like Josh said, be a janitor. It doesn't matter. So the narrative, you guys, is that family. That is what's going to fulfill the deepest desires we have to be loved, needed, to be known, to be respected, valued, and to leave a legacy, right? To leave a mark on this earth that goes well beyond our own lives. And guys, we talked about this, that many men do not have a vision for their life. And that's why I launched Adventure of Fatherhood. Go check it out, adventureoffatherhood.com. If you're a new dad, I have a course for you, Discover or Introduction to Fatherhood, where you can understand your identity. And then if you're a dad with a five-year-old, 10-year-old, 15-year-old, 20-year-old, and you're like, I'm still stumbling through what it means to be a father, I have the Discover Fatherhood course, which you can go on and take. It's videos of me. It's interactive. You will learn so much of your identity. Once you go through those, I have the 18-year roadmap where I roll with a group of dudes for 90 days. It is boot camp revealing to you the power, the power of your role as a father. These are not parenting courses. These are identity courses. So adventureoffatherhood.com. Hey, if you're loving the podcast, please write a review. Give it five stars. Help spread the word that fatherhood matters. Thank you. All you dads out there listening to Fatherhood Field Notes podcast, what you do matters. Don't be like everybody else. Be yourself. That is who your kids, your spouse, and community needs. This is your guide, Ned Shout. Together, let's rebel against the view that fatherhood has little impact and create lives engaged in mastering the craft of fatherhood. I look forward to hanging out with you next time.